as the last bull market commenced and went all the way up to 69,000, nobody was more popular than analyst Plan B and his stock to flow model. He had consecutive months over and over and over again where he accurately predicted the price. But he also warned that no model is perfect and that price would eventually break the model. We talked today about whether stock to flow model is broken, the fact that the stock to flow floor model is definitely broken, what the prospects are for Bitcoin in the future, and whether we are looking at the depths of the bear market and a generational buying opportunity. You do not want to miss this conversation with legend Plan B. That's dope. I believe the last time we talked, we were in the heart of a massive bull market, right? I think, uh, I don't remember the specific price, but we were talking about Bitcoin at 100 and 200 and a million. And I think everyone knows here we are in the depths of the bull market. <laughs> what what do you think happened? Uh, yeah, we probably have another bull market, but the, the big question, of course, is when? <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, the, the bear markets are part of the game. Um, you know, in the bull markets, we're all partying, uh, dreaming about the moon, buying Lambos, and uh, and and the bear markets are, are good for building and and talking about the fundamental stuff. And there's a lot of fundamental things going on. So, well, I guess we uh, we can't do without the bear markets and have to embrace them. It's funny you talk about the buying Lambos and buying cars. And obviously, we saw people flexing their Rolexes and their gold and all of those things. And now we're seeing mainstream media stories about, quote unquote, crypto bros selling their G-Wagons and crashing the prices of McLarens and crashing the prices of Rolexes. I guess it's, once again, an example that you can't have one without the other, right? That's it. That's it. So we uh, let's embrace it. And uh you know, for, for sure, the next bull run will come uh, unless Bitcoin is dead. But that's just not a scenario I think is realistic. So um, assuming that Bitcoin is not dead uh, after 12 years and the uh, well fundamental innovation that it really is, uh, give, given that, we, we, we might assume the, the bull market will will uh, resume in, in some time. Could be today, could be tomorrow or some months away, but yeah, that's that's very hopeful. I mean, during the last bull run, you obviously gained renown for being incredibly accurate with price predictions as to what was going to happen at any given month. And probably that was a bit of a pressure for you, I would imagine, because nobody can be right all the time. And eventually, obviously, some of those predictions were going to be wrong. Uh, what are you looking at now that stock to flow? I don't even know if we can say it failed. I mean, maybe talk about you know, where stock to flow is now, what you're doing with modeling and sort of what it was like to be viewed as this person who had, you know, almost a crystal ball, which inevitably meant there would be times when you would be wrong in the future. Yeah. Yeah. That was pressure. That was pressure. It was, it was no matter how much you said, like, Hey, it, it's a bit of luck as well. I mean, I can't, I have very, very rough models and everybody that understand the model, um, they, they know that, but they're very rough. So being exactly right, and, and and certainly three times in a row, that's just pure luck. But no matter how much you say that, I gained 1 million followers uh, in two months. And that that's purely based on that random lucky shot. And, and you know, it, it's... <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse. It's it's nice to have uh, two million followers instead of one, uh, maybe. But but uh, the curse is that I have a very schizophrenic following right now. So the first one million, those were the soccer flow followers from the first hour, and they, they know a bit about modeling and when the model was made and all the interviews I did in uh, 2019 and 20, 2020. Uh, but the second million, those were the, the guys that came in at uh, 50,000, 60,000, 40,000 on, on the three uh, lucky shots. And, and they're all in a loss and they hate, hate my guts. So, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not, to be honest, I was not prepared for that. I'm just a, um, yeah, traditional finance guy, uh, uh, an investor, institutional, ex-institutional investor, I should say, because I quit two years ago. Um, but we were uh, always working in the dark, not never in the spotlights, and 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 certainly not with with two million people and, and more looking over your shoulders. So 
um, my natural habit was to publish the stuff. I was excited about it. I had a hundred followers in March 20, or maybe a thousand in, in March, 2019, then published that stuff. And, and then it exploded. And, and yeah, so it, was, it has been a steep learning curve has been fun. Um, and lately, yeah, there is pressure. And I understand that. I understand that if you're at a loss, um, and, and bought maybe because everybody was bullish and my models were bullish as well. Then, uh, yeah, you're 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 maybe angry or you're 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 anxious to uh, for for the next bull market and to be in a profit again. But yeah, it's so so that's one. And but maybe very specifically, the 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 model that was right three times in a row wasn't this wasn't even the stock to flow model, right? I think that's the biggest misunderstanding that's still. Uh, present today that was a failed floor model so i was uh, as a model guy i make multiple models and everybody that follows me knows that i mean i i must have like 20 models that i frequently uh, tweet about and have charts about but the floor model was was sort of yeah like the name says it was sort of predicting where the floor uh, uh what 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 the absolute floor would be but of course, Bitcoin crashed right through that, and uh, yeah, so the floor model failed. But the stock-to-flow model, in my opinion, did not fail yet. And yes, I have said, okay, when it's not hitting 100K, and of course, I was expecting 100K based on the model, and it's not hitting that, then the model is failed, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I, you, you might say I, I changed my mind, or I got more... Uh, nuanced about it, um, but just everybody has to make up their mind. If you think it's failed, then be my guest, and 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 it's, and it's failed for you. But for me, yes, the 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 current price of Bitcoin is is like three or four times below the the model price. But look at the peak in 2013. At that time, it was 10x. Bitcoin was 10x above the model price. Did it fail back then? No, it didn't. It just crashed down back to the to the model price, and and similarly, I really and and, and sincerely think, um, in fact, I'm betting on it with my money, um, that that the, the Bitcoin price will uh, revert to the to to, to the stock to flow uh, model price, and um, yeah, maybe I should add that you know I had I had three versions of the model that didn't make it very easy to understand so the original model was 55,000k uh with hindsight that seems to be the best model later i updated that model with yearly data and euro data um and it it it, it got the, uh, that's how we got, he got to the 100k uh number and then i got this very fundamental model the stock flow X model that that derived its its values from other assets as well, gold, silver, etc., and that 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 was the 288k model. And as as much as we like to believe the 288 and 100k, I think with hindsight we should say that we uh, the original model, the 55k or let's say 60 or 70k model, that's that's uh, that will probably turn out to be the the better model. But you know, yeah. it's all very rough. I've, I think that's that's the most important thing. If you've been following me for the last few months, then you definitely know that I've been trading and investing on BitGet. Now listen, it took me six months to decide that they were going to be the sponsor for the newsletter. But once I saw their partnership with Juventus, that they were the world's leading copy trading platform in crypto, and also that they're a top five exchange by volume, well, I was sold and I was convinced. And I've been using it ever since to dollar cost average and to invest in Bitcoin. You can also trade there with leverage, but of course, be careful if you're gonna do that. And I don't know if you saw the recent news, but they've also done a deal with Lionel Messi. Now you can get up to an $8,000 bonus using my link below and you can trade spot with absolutely no fees. You also get a 15% discount on trading leverage. Go ahead and sign up right now using the wolfofallstreets.info slash bitget. Claim that huge reward and use the world's best trading platform. Hindsight is 2020, right? And it's easy to talk about these things uh, after looking back on them. But to be fair, at the time, 
especially when Bitcoin smashed through 65 and pushed to 69, it looked like it was ready to print a monster candle and jump directly <laughs> to six figures. Every model had that. Every person, pundit, analyst, with a few exceptions, believed we were going to 100K. I personally did... Based on the parable of the ox, I did a model where we took the 100 top models we could find and averaged their price, and it was going to hit 235000 Like We're all, quote unquote, guilty of this, but that's because none of us can see the future. So I think everybody was collectively wrong, and that's probably a lesson to be learned about the mentality of a bull market in general, right? Yeah, we could be collectively wrong right now as well on the downside. I mean, that's, that's in fact, that's a very... Um, human uh, treats uh, a very psychological psychological thing. We overshoot up and down, so we're we're fomoing in and we're we're, we're uh, sort of crashing down. So so the the tops and the bottoms are in that respect. The tops and the bottoms are maybe not the most interesting thing. It's it's more the general levels that 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 you might be able to predict. But the tops and the bottoms are always we're always overshooting. If you Google overshooting. Uh, with uh, respect to uh, investing, there's lots of scientific papers on that, and and it's uh, we're always overshooting. You saw that with COVID too; the market yes. dropped and then and then uh, shot up back at the next month. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 it, and but you're very right. We we were all dreaming about 100k, one million, and 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 we're putting. T- uh, Tattoos about uh, the moon and, and rockets and our favorite coins and I, I luckily you. didn't get any tattoos or uh, <laughs> especially of any altcoins, so I, I don't have a Luna tattoo on my shoulder or anything like uh, some people famously do. But I love the point that you made that maybe we're doing the same thing at the bottom because that's my feeling. My, the lesson learned from that top should be to be skeptical when everybody is starting to. Again, say Bitcoin's going to zero, Bitcoin has failed, crypto is over, right? These are as classic, if not more bottom signals than we're going to 100K was at the top. So to me, whether that means we go down three or 4,000 more or start to go up, this is an epic generational buying opportunity. Yeah, I think the exact same thing. And and to be very specific... um... So most people are talking about uh, maybe fourteen thousand dollar Bitcoin or or ten thousand, and I get that. I mean, if if you look at the top seventy thousand and you go, uh, you, you take minus eighty percent from that, you get to the fourteen thousand. And and yeah, and in the past uh, crashes would be eighty percent from the top, even eighty five. So if you take eighty five percent from the seventy, you get to the ten k. So I I get that, but it's not a I mean, those those were one or two crashes. You can't make predictions like that. Um, and and yes, it could happen, but uh, it might as well not happen. And uh, so, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to what uh, the future brings. And I hope we will not see too many uh, FTXs or uh, Ukraine wars or China mining bans, because those were, of course, the real causes that spoiled our party when we were all when we were all dreaming about uh, 100k uh, I think I think we I, I think we really made would make that that 100k if China would not have spoiled the party uh, at the time with it with the with the mining ban yeah I, I agree I think that uh, the models would have been fine in a vacuum where the FOMO <laughs> and excitement continued and that we've had some fundamental events that have dampened the excitement or even eliminated it in the short term. You obviously alluded to FTX, which is the most recent, is what's happening in the crypto industry. I love to separate Bitcoin and the assets from the industry because I think these are industry failures, not asset failures. But is there anything here that's just shocked the hell out of you? Did you see any of this kind of thing coming? Did you expect to see this level of contagion? I will go out on a limb and say I did not. So no, uh, no me neither. Me neither. The only thing that really shocked me is that again, it's the third parties, the exchanges, the the uh, not the, the assets or the protocols itself, but the, the third parties, the ecosystem around it that caused the trouble, and, and and why that has such a large impact 
still on the market is beyond me. Um, yeah, I understand that that companies that default have to sell their stuff, and people that default or get margin calls, they, they have to sell their stuff too. So that there is a lot of downward pressure. But it's it's very important to see. It's about the it's not about the Bitcoin protocol or or, or the other uh, um, assets. It, it's not about the assets. It's it's about the the third parties, the companies, the people that do bad things around it, around that. Uh, yeah, and especially FTX is a, is, a, is a classic example that that makes me think of Mount Gox. Uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, and I know one thing for sure: we'll see it again. I mean, uh, I in five years from now, uh, the, the, another exchange will blow up and somebody will steal the money. And that, that's a risk. I thought by now we would we would know and, and not be, yeah. Yeah, by that same rationale, I would have thought that we would have learned the lessons of the 2008, 2009, 2010 you know, subprime mortgage crisis and great recession. And in my opinion... And I don't know how I didn't see this while it was happening. It took hindsight. But in my opinion, we effectively built those same systems, but with inferior rails in crypto, which is the antithesis of the ethos of what this was all created for in the first place. It's very, very disappointing. Yeah, it, it is. And um, at the same time, maybe uh, the repetition of it drills the message, message home. That uh, third parties are security holes. Uh, uh, Bitcoin is a. I'm of course Bitcoin maximalist, so I'm talking Bitcoin, not crypto. But Bitcoin is a bearer asset, uh, and self custody, owning your keys is is key, literally, to uh, to this. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe we need these blow ups and these these uh, yeah to to drill home that that message. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that this has driven people towards self-custody. Every single metric, sales of ledger devices, coins leaving exchange shows that that's the case. I guess the question then remains when the FOMO kicks back in and we have another bull market and you need to move those coins to exchanges to speculate on the big altcoin pumps and such and all the human things that we know people will do if they will quickly forget the lessons that they just learned and go right back to the old ways. I don't have as much faith in humanity as many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I agree that humanity will be driven by greed and fear, like last year and a thousand years ago. <laughs> that, that will stay. That, that is human, greed and fear. So we will have cycles. We will have crashes again and FOMO tops and bull markets. But uh, yeah, at least uh, the cell... If... if um, the, um, the 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 number of people that does self custody doubles because of this crash. It's all worth it. Yeah, it's a huge win. I just hope that they stay with it. That's my point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and re remember the real reason that they went there. And you obviously, as you self describe, Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, we've talked at length in the past about your beliefs in the asset and why you're so supportive and, and believe in it in the first place. Has any of that changed through this process? Because obviously we've had the should have been an inflation hedge narrative, should have been a store of value, can't be those yeah. things if it's crashed by these price. So has anything for you changed in your perception of the asset? No, not at all. Um, not at all. Even the inflation hedge thing. For me, Bitcoin is not per se a uh, inflation hedge. It's... It's far more. It's I like these these old clips from the internet. What is the internet? What people in in two in two thousand explain what the internet is, and nobody can really even Bill Gates cannot really describe what it is, what it is right, and what it does for the world right now. I think Bitcoin has a similar um, function, and and we can't really describe very well uh, what Bitcoin is. And Satoshi said something like that as well in the beginning, but uh, no, no, nothing has changed. I'm still in awe. With the simplicity of uh, of Bitcoin, of combining the encryption and the proof of work, and the peer to peer, just uh, uh, three fundamental technologies into one thing, um, where we don't need anybody to make an account. Uh, it's just a random number, uh, the account, the private key, and the derived uh, address is just a 
random number. Everybody can make that. Nobody needed for that. Transactions, same thing. You can just um, send your own, make and send your own transactions. No need for a bank. And the network, peer-to-peer, it's, yeah, that's that's how the music downloads and BitTorrent is. And you can't kill that. So good luck. It's it's here to stay. It's like, I see it as electricity, as as the invention of the automobile or or the internet itself, indeed. It's not going away, and you could. It's funny to see the the central banks struggling with that. Like, like it reminds me of the telcos at the time. Like, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. When, when Skype came, yeah, yeah, shit. Uh, now you can do voice calls for free on the internet, and and our business model is uh, is gone. Oh, we're gonna ban Skype and voice over IP from our uh, internet subscriptions. Yeah, they, they can. And and that right now, the the banks are. Are, are saying, hey, you can't do Bitcoin uh, transactions uh, to fiat or or we cap it at, at $1,000 or whatever. And they're all fighting their existential threat. Um, but in the end, uh, probably they'll, they'll, they'll embrace it like the telcos embraced it. And, and that's, yeah, very optimistic, actually. Yeah, I love your point about the central banks because... Very recently, the European Central Bank, the ECB, came out with a statement basically on their blog that's, I, I believe it was entitled Bitcoin's Last Stand, right? <laughs> and they sent out a tweet that said that uh, Bitcoin was effectively being propped up artificially before its uh, road to irrelevance. The exact quote I found it artificially induced last gasp before the road to irrelevance. Is this not as glaring a bottom signal as you could possibly find absolutely absolutely and I, and I say this as a person who worked with central banks for 25 years day in day out on a daily basis so i mean i know central banks have a great role uh have played a great role in the past it was necessary to have central banks not anymore, but they don't know that yet. And it's 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 logical. They're sort of myoptic to that new invention because it, it threatens their business. But yeah, it look at the pictures of the of the of the central bankers. It's it's mostly old people. They have they have no clue. It, it's not sometimes I think it's not even evil what they do. It's just a normal reaction of fighting a, a threat, uh, a perceived threat. And um, it's just ignorant, and, and and that's what what I see when I read uh, headlines like that and and reports and tweets like that. I see ignorance. Yeah, what's interesting? It's like all of us, you know. Our parents said that our music was terrible, and then we grow up and we tell our kids that their music is terrible. It's the exact same phenomenon yeah. that you're describing. It's the grumpy old man who doesn't think that uh, things should change. But that leads to the question: Does the European Central Bank? put out a blog post like this because they're ignorant and they don't get it? Or do you think it's more sinister and they're accepting that it's now a threat and trying to tear it down? Sort of, you know, first they laugh at you, then they fight you, being yeah. in the then they fight you stage. It could be both. But I think, was it Churchill that made that famous quote? This is classic, of course. This this question is classic question. Uh, is it evil or is it ignorance? Uh, and, and I think Churchill said something in the, uh, like, don't uh, describe to evil what can be described to ignorance. Uh, so I guess 80, 90% it's ignorance uh, perceived as evilness. Uh, so I'd, yeah, I'd like to believe that. Uh, I think they mean, I think they really mean good. And And again, talking as somebody who, as friends at the central bank and worked with central bankers for almost my entire life, uh, they're, they're not stupid. Um, they're not the most innovative people either. <laughs> uh, cause the most innovative people in finance, they go work for a bank in the structured finance departments or the derivatives, uh, areas, um, and not as a central bank. So by definition, the central bankers are not very innovative and, um, but 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 they mean well. I, I think they the only thing is they have a wrong, let's say, old classic uh, Keynes uh, framework when when for for they they use for all their actions. 
So they really think that inflation, a modest level of inflation, like the 2% aim of the central bank, is a good thing. Right. Where, in fact, it means that you'll lose your, <laughs> your you, you, you certainly lose 2% of everything you own every year. And that adds up really quickly. Compounding. So, Right. Yeah. The 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 pounding. The the and 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 that's an effect, of course. That that uh, well, even people like Einstein have described as the one thing that people don't understand. Uh, humans are really bad at at understanding compounded interest, and, but that's exactly what it is. And and why is that good? Central bankers deeply believe that if you have a a thing like a deflationary currency like like Bitcoin or no inflation that uh, people are, are going to hoard it and that it's not available for, uh, it will not be available anymore for uh, doing transactions. So it will hinder the transactions and the real economy if you make it not inflationary. I think that there's a very fundamental and interesting discussion to be had with the more innovative and intelligent uh, central bankers. So I don't mean Lagarde or the other or, or the Powell guy. Those are just the, the you know the CEOs, the presidents, and just just talking the narrative. But the, the the strategists at central banks, really, they are they are not stupid, and and I think they they would welcome a, a discussion like that as well about this fundamental framework: is two percent inflation really the best thing for humanity? Or could a deflationary uh, asset or currency, uh, money, I should say, um, lead to better um, solutions for humanity and better outcomes? And I, yeah, and of course, I think the latter. Yeah, I mean, inflation is contrived growth, right? It's growth for the sake of growth. And then you can point to how things are going up and there's more jobs and all those things, but it's all artificial if the value of your money is decreasing. I mean, you've obviously, I'm sure I've had Jeff Booth on a number of times. He champions the idea of, you know, deflation being sort of utopian and clearly you agree. But is there a way, even if we do have innovative central bankers who are younger, is there a way that we actually transition from the current ethos of monetary policy and inflation without, you know, a great depression (laughs) to that deflationary utopia? Uh, I think we will because of the uh, the law of entropy. <laughs> uh, because yeah. of that, that's how the things go. It's it, if it is better, we will go there, and we we can be we can have attacks and FTX like uh, defaults and, and and central banks not agreeing with it. But in the end, uh, if it's better, it will happen. Um, and yeah, I, I think it is better. Uh, but but we'll have to frame the discussion. We'll have to. Um, do the discussion in a way that even the 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 old goats at, at at the central bank understand it within their old frameworks, or we just—I mean—that's more like the cyber uh, or the, the cypherpunks uh, solution. We just write the code and see where it ends, and and I think that's what's what's playing out uh, right now. But I, yeah, I'm th- I, I'm breaking my mind in in coming up with a reasoning in in central bank terms so that central bank people not not the lagarde and powells but the 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 strategists at the central bank can understand it and uh where there is a uh where it's it's like the fundamental steel argument that that drives this 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 home right i mean and bitcoiners have been screaming from the top of the mountaintop that hyperinflation was coming, that inflation was an issue. These are not new arguments, but over the last year, that 2% has uh, quickly, or last two years, has quickly risen to 8, 9, 10, 11, 12%, or 40 or 50, depending on where you live in the world. Is this a train that they can slow, or do you think that we are actually on that road to hyperinflation now? I mean, all of this yeah, you know, hawkish tone and and tightening hasn't had that much of an effect in a lot lot of places. Yeah, well, I think I've been pretty clear in the past about it, and that didn't change as well. Uh, yes, I think we're on the road to to, to quote unquote hyperinflation. Um, you know, the money is printed. 
the COVID happened, but it could have been any other emergency. Uh, the, the global financial crisis happened in 2008. Uh, the reason why Bitcoin was made as well, right? It was made at the height of the global financial crisis. Satoshi saw it coming. Um, he didn't see COVID coming, but he he for sure knew there would be another emergency after the global financial crisis. It happened. It was COVID. And, and we printed trillions and trillions. The numbers don't even make sense anymore. It's just numbers. It's just zeros. But if, you, if you're... So it happened. They, you cannot turn that back. So the, the ghost is out of the bottle and, and we'll have to deal with that. Um, and and um, yeah, so so will we have hyperinflation? Hmm, I don't I don't know. Um, we had asset inflation. We see now it trickling down to real inflation. Uh, like you say, ex- uh, a lot of people saw that coming and, and predicted that it's happening and it will it will get worse. but but I mean it's 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 also, like greed and fear, it's something that happened happens for centuries, even even thousands of years. Even the Romans had this uh, debasement thing. Uh, Satoshi like to call it debasement instead of inflation. I think that's more accurate because uh, yeah. what does it mean? Uh, the the hyperinflation. It just means that the money dies. It's not it's not that everything. Um, it is getting more more expensive. No, it's just that the denominator. The currency is getting worthless. So, and I like that this example from the Romans that they 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 of course uh, um, diminished the silver, decreased, and later the, the silver content of their uh, denarius of the coins. coins. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and who were the fir- who were the ones to break that? To break that, that were the their own soldiers. So they they, they had to fight a lot of wars, a bit similar to today. Yeah. I mean, not only wars with bombs like in Ukraine, but also wars uh, of the mind, the 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 psyop wars, the media wars, uh, perception management is a military term now, I, I think. But uh, the soldiers of the Romans said, "Hey, okay, we're going to fight that war for you, but you can keep your denarius." And give us gold. If you give us gold or land, we will fight. But uh, not that that worthless uh, paper coin that you have. Your fiat. You can keep your fiat. And I think people will. That that will be the ultimate sign for me. If people just stop using the the dollar, and we're seeing that actually, uh, not in Europe, where where I am, and, and not in the U.S., but uh, or maybe a little bit. On a personal level, but we see it in the BRICS countries. So, uh, uh, especially in Russia, the Middle Certainly East, Russia. Uh, yeah. China, yeah, yeah, yeah Russia, <laughs> Russia. But Brazil, I think Brazil um, embracing Bitcoin recently is a very important uh, step. Not only because Brazil is a very large country with two, more than two hundred million population, which is well, it's it's a little smaller than the US, but not much. And uh, but it's also part of the BRICS, together with India, Russia, uh, <laughs> China. So uh, yeah, it's 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 the one billion U.S. and Europeans against the what is it six billion seven billion uh, BRICS countries. I don't know who's who's going to win, but if they stop accepting the our, our worthless dollars and euros, it's uh, the end of it. It's really interesting you touch on Brazil having effectively adopted laws to embrace cryptocurrency trading and use as payments. Huge news, completely underreported and almost missed, I would say, by mainstream media. And you go back a year and a half and El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. Okay, it was legal tender, so it's a more compelling term. But that was the biggest news in the world. And Brazil is a much larger country. This is much bigger news, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And they don't, didn't make it, so Brazil didn't make it legal tender yet, like uh, El Salvador did. But uh, it's also a bit of a naming game. I guess they, they're in talks with the IMFs and, and being pressured by the IMF as well, uh, Brazil. Uh, so as to not to, to, to call it legal tender, but... As soon as you can, as shops can can accept uh, Bitcoin and you can pay taxes in Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera, then it is, it is as much legal tender. So 
Uh, yeah, I think, and I, you're right. I had to think about that same event, El Salvador. We for years we have dreamed about a country adopting Bitcoin. Then it happened, and nothing, nothing with the prize, uh, a lot of media, but nothing really. And and it is huge news, also legal from a legal point of view. So, um, <laughs> but but. Yeah, so so those things, those things are the real. It could as well be the the trigger for uh, for the next bull run. Who knows? I mean, we had China mining ban, we had the war in Ukraine, we had COVID, blah blah blah. For sure. So the macro environment was bad. Maybe it it will stay bad for a couple of months, but it will not stay bad forever. So there will be never does. <laughs> it, it never, never does. does. Yeah, all you have to do is be patient. We, I, I I don't think there's anyone who outside of maybe the mainstream or people who are not crypto native who believes that we're never going to see another bull run again. Everybody knows we're going to eventually see new highs and that those things are going to happen. I think people just can't stand waiting. And I mean, you talked about the fact that we printed trillions of dollars. I mean, the statistics are out of control. Almost half the money that was ever printed in the United States was printed in an 18-month period. And in November, we saw the U.S. Treasury Department report that U.S. gross national debt was over $30 trillion. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when a trillion dollars was a lot of money. $30 trillion, you'd never service that debt. No, it, it's it's funny that as an all institutional investors, all the pension funds, all the, the big banks, we all know the debt is never going to be repaid. And it doesn't have to be repaid as, as long as it's rolled through, as rolled over into new new debt. It's It's all okay. But uh, I guess that will be difficult with higher rates, right? It's, it's. I mean, if if the U.S. is already paying twenty five percent of its revenue tax income, so the the tax twenty five percent of tax revenue is paid on the on the uh, paying off the debt, uh, and that's against those low rates. Those yeah, low, that was low rates. rates. <laughs> yeah. So so if if those those double, well, it, it, it yeah, it runs out of steam very fast. Yeah, it once again compounds in all the wrong in all the wrong ways. And you would think that that would just naturally lead people rationally to Bitcoin. And I, I don't think that that's really happened yet. And we've talked about, obviously, certain institutions. Everyone was hyped when MicroStrategy and Tesla came on board and put it in their treasury to, to protect against the inflation of their cash. Do you think that all the things that have happened since then will dampen that mood for any other pensions, endowments, the big wall of money from coming in? Or do you think that they're still looking at Bitcoin as a realistic, uh, you know, treasury asset? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think at the moment a lot of institutions are looking at, at putting it on a balance sheet. Right. They are, however, putting it in the funds. So that's not for their risk and, and return, but for the client's risk and return. Uh, so the, uh, yeah, that that will be the first step, uh, and the ETF, of course, is a big thing. Uh, why that isn't approved is, well, something for the historians and the, and the, uh, the lawyers later on. But uh, you could say that all this, and I, I certainly see that like that, this whole FTX debacle with people bringing their money to the Bahamas outside the U.S. jurisdiction. Um, is in part to blame on this SEC for not approving uh, uh, the the hundred uh, percent. <laughs> yeah, it uh, and not providing a a legal framework is as bad as as so not allowing the it, it yeah not allowing the ETF is is worse than allowing the ETF and 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 by by many multitudes and not only so they didn't approve the ETF obviously which forces institutional investors either offshore into GBTC which is trading at like a 50% discount now <laughs> yeah. but what i find insane is that they tried to effectively regulate by enforcement so try to sue anyone who does anything they don't like never offer clarity force everyone offshore when it inevitably blows up because they force everyone offshore then they try to come back in and use that as an excuse for heavy-handed regulation. Yeah, and 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 that's how you lose the game. And and we and again, we've seen this for centuries. For centuries, countries come and countries go. Um, I mean, Holland was once the 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 ruler of the world with a, a big fleet going around the world, and 
a reserve currency was the guilder, the Dutch guilder, but that ended and the Roman Empire ended. Why? Because in the end, uh, you're going to do stupid things. <laughs> stupid leadership, stupid uh, monetary policy, a lot of debasement, stupid wars, a lot of uh, extravagancy. Of, uh, I don't know the English word for that, but it's, it's a decadency, st- crazy things. And, and I guess... That's all okay. I mean, let let Europe and the US ban it, uh, make stupid laws. Uh, Brazil and the other BRICS countries will embrace it, and that's uh, there's no doubt. And 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 El Salvador. So the I always, um, for some reason, see this this as a unique opportunity in history for Africa, South America. And parts 100%. of Asia, but also the Middle East. Don't forget the Middle East, who have been hijacked or, or bribed, I should say, by 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 the U.S. and in in, in general and, and and Europe for their oil for for decades. What if they want a larger role than just being a supplier and be be very rich? But a larger role in 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 the world, and you see Dubai also already moving in that direction. It's it's like the new Hong Kong. It's it, the, the, it's so much energy, so much uh, yeah craziness as well. But 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 yeah, I think it's an opportunity for the non-Europe, non-US uh, part of the world, and that's 90 percent. Yeah, you can absolutely see that happening, certainly in China with the proliferation of their central bank digital currency, right? I mean, that's a clear move to try to reduce dollar dominance. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't think central bank digital currency is is all bad, is, is, is 100% a bad thing. Um, it, it's just something completely different than, than Bitcoin, for example. It's just... Uh, uh, fiat with a uh, yeah more more advanced database or more more international and open interface, but and of co- but of course it has the same debasement. It has the same um, controls and, and freezing opportunities for the, for the government. They're in full control, so it's not bit- Bitcoin at all. But it's yeah, it it, it could be an adaptation to uh, the digital world, like. Uh, Africa also did with t- telco, right? They never had sure. landlines really Went straight to mobile phones, yeah, straight to mobile, yeah. So, no, I even that the harder the US pushes for strict and crazy laws and does not allow ETFs. I mean, there's ETFs in Canada, in, in Sweden, in Germany, even uh, Singapore. Yeah, the hell with the US ETF, it, it, it all goes uh, offshore. Yeah, I think they missed their opportunity with the ETF, to be quite honest, right? I think that uh, when it's been rejected repeatedly, people have just found other ways to gain exposure to the asset class. And it would only be the door for those same institutions we talked about before, which would be huge, the uh, you know endowments and, and, and such. But they, they yeah. exist elsewhere and people are just going to eventually continue to move away from the United States. And it's sad. I mean, why would you ever, ever try to start a crypto-based or technology company in the United States at this point? Yeah, true, true. And, and it's also what I find really interesting. Um, and I have lived a part of my life in the, in the US. Uh, the, 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 the Population movement, the uh, movement from California to uh, Texas and from uh, New York to Florida, uh, that's very, very clear and, and ongoing. So, um, yeah, that should say something. And that at least is within the country, but it could as well go outside the country and, uh, you know, to, to places that are more welcoming to uh, capital and uh, entrepreneurs. I'm going to ask you a question you definitely don't want to answer, which is since we've said that the stock-to-flow model is still intact, assuming this next bull run comes, can we still talk about 100,000 and 288,000 and, and higher numbers than that? Yeah, I think so. I uh, put the tweet out the other day that um, if we assume that the old model, the original 2019 model is correct, the 55,000 model, um, 
then the next uh, halving could lead to prices somewhere, and I make a very right range. Some people don't like it, but uh, somewhere between 100,000 and a million. So that's on average would be like, uh, indeed, there's uh, 300,000 uh, times three or divided by three uh, yeah. as a range. But uh, let, yeah, one, two, 300,000. Uh, I would be... <sighs> Really I'd be surprised, surprised if we don't. Yeah, I was just going to say, so you can, if you don't want to say it, I'll say that. I'd be very surprised if that doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, un, unless the stock to flow is, is really invalid uh, or Bitcoin dies or um, uh, right, something but even, like that. But. Even removing stock to flow or, yes, of course, if Bitcoin dies, we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> but removing even any of the models, if you just look at the cycles of Bitcoin, we are... You know, a few hundred days, uh, you know, nine, I, I don't have it in front of me, but effectively every single having to bottom back to having cycle has repeated. And right now in, you know, November, December, January would be the theoretical bottom, even just looking at the movement of Bitcoin's price between halvings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I have no doubt whatsoever uh, that we go to that, to that hundred thousand, one million range and and no matter how you look at it the current price is 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 a is a steal if 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 that's what you what you believe so yeah i'm i'm very optimistic and and uh but again a model is a model um and but you can come to those numbers that uh, the way the way you did and just looking fundamentally if if we just if adoption goes on, if more countries come in, if new buyers come in, uh, don't forget that all the buyers above sixty thousand already bought, already sold. They're gone. So yeah, the, I mean we're looking at eighty percent from the top, but there is nobody who bought at the top left anymore. So it's it's a crazy number to look at. Essentially, uh, it's it's more older, and 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 there's a lot of coins going uh, um, be, being sold last couple of months. And that's all at the twenty or sub twenty thousand level. So all the new buyers, all the the ones that that have the coins right now, are looking at twenty thousand, maybe a little bit less price, and they're hoping, of course, for a hundred thousand or more. And 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 they have the time. They'll 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 wait a couple of years, no problem. So, yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think it's going to take that long, to be quite honest. So in light of all of these. Meltdowns, Luna, 3AC, Voyager, BlockFi, Celsius, FTX, the, the list continues. What would you say to people who are looking to gain exposure to this market for the first time or who got burnt by one of those platforms and are still looking for a reason to stick around? Um, just tech sets, uh, just, just, just buy. If you believe in it, uh, gain some exposure. If you don't have it, uh, just... Start small. Um, you probably have to if 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 you lost a lot of money, which is which is a very different perspective than than maybe fresh uh, newcomers. But even to the newcomers that have a bunch of cash at the sidelines, uh, I would I would suggest to start small, um, just to gain experience with it. Read about it. Read the newspaper. Read the bullish case of Bitcoin article and read the the Bitcoin Standard. Those are the classics. And then just invest, yeah, download an app from the App Store, and um, so that you hold your own keys. Really, yeah, you have to have your own keys, and then open an account at an exchange, buy some coins, maybe hundred, hundred, hundred dollars or less if that's too much, or more if if you want. But uh, and then play with it. Just just buy a beer. Uh, send some to uh, some some to the wallet of your wife or your kids or whatever, <laughs> and and then if you get familiar and 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 e at ease with it, then slowly raise, go from a hundred to a thousand, and then maybe well you know to whatever amount you you want to risk. But but of course never ever invest more in Bitcoin or whatever other assets that that's uh, but never invest more than you 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 can afford to lose uh but that's yeah that's investment 101 before i let you go is there anything else besides bitcoin that in amongst all this insanity in the world that you're looking at are you still looking at metals or are there any other assets that you still think are interesting and will be very important moving forward 
No, I'm, I have to say I'm very much a Bitcoin focused and uh, the other assets, uh, yeah, once you're Bitcoin focused, are not that interesting anymore. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it, yeah, that's one thing. It's um, We call it a barbell in, in investment speak, a barbell strategy. Uh, and it means that uh, most of the times, if you invest in the least risky assets, so that would be cash, for example, and the most risky asset, that would be Bitcoin. <laughs> then on, so partly 50% in the risk asset, 50% in cash, that that often outperforms the uh, 25 in this, 25 in that, and 10% in that, a well-spread portfolio with the middle risk assets. Uh, so I really like the barbell asset, uh, the barbell strategy. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I know Talib <laughs> talked about that a lot in Anti-Fragile, the barbell strategy, and, and it, it, it makes a ton of sense. I just wish he was still a Bitcoiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened to him. I I, I love him. I love his books, and uh, but he... He has gone, uh, something happened to him, I guess, uh, lately. It seems that way. He wrote a book called Anti-Fragile, but he seems like the most fragile person <laughs> in, in the world. Uh, I hate to say it because, as you said, I love his books. It's one of those things where to, you know, never meet your heroes. I think he has me blocked on Twitter for simply asking him a question about something. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but he did he champion the barbell idea. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. But it's very, it's very, yeah, a lot of institutional investors like the idea. And, and even if they don't, I haven't heard of uh, of Talab and uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, maybe the last thing um, I think is zero exposure is is not the right exposure. If you're a retail investor or institutional investor, zero exposure to this new asset would be a mistake, in my opinion. I could not agree more. And I think that's a great place to conclude. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this again. I know that you're exceptionally busy and and very much in demand. I look forward, hopefully, to the next conversation being back in a more exciting price range for Bitcoin. What do you think? Thank you very much. And uh, I'll sure be back. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Pleasure speaking with you. 